As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. The race is on, and the F1 driver market is the gift that keeps on giving, with Pierre Gasly potentially taking the vacant seat at Alpine, but only on the proviso that AlphaTauri is able to replace him with IndyCar ace Colton Herta. So why do Alpine want him, and how should F1 resolve the controversy over Herta's super licence eligibility? I'm Ed Straw, and joining me to answer those questions and many more is Scott Mitchell-Malm. Hello to you, Scott, from a very warm and muggy Como. We're talking about the driver market today again, and as a whole, this is a story that you've been all over with plenty of details that have been broken coming from you originally. We know fans love driver market chat. Do you revel as much in chasing it? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's um, it's it's one of those things where this kind of stuff is just a lot harder, I think, to, um, to, to really understand the truth of. I think the teams often... Uh, misleading and I think deliberately misleading and often very unhelpful um not necessarily in terms of uh the individuals we speak to but just in terms of what's being said officially um I think a good example of that is the McLaren Daniel Ricardo situation where the official message it's not incompatible with reality but it really does only provide a uh a small glimpse at it so it is harder to find out what's going on that does make it a lot more fun and a lot more rewarding when you do feel like you've um you've got a handle on it um it's just a different it's just a different type of thing to to chase than say when you're trying to understand an a, an area of uh car or driver performance or that that kind of thing or you know new races being added to the calendar and regulation changes and that i think i think what makes driver market stuff so much f- more fun in general i think for us and for you know the audience is it's you're just dealing with people, and I just think that that human element of it is always going to be the most interesting factor. I mean, 
just look at the um, the partisan reaction to the stuff that Daniel Ricciardo has been going through for the last few months. It is just what people care about because ultimately it's the drivers that, that the fans relate to and, and follow the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the thing about the driver market is there's endless possibility, isn't there? So you can always hope against hope that your favourite driver who might be without a drive will get in wherever. And I suppose that possibility is what people get excited about. But that's why it's so great. I mean, you have been chasing this very, very hard, as I said, over the past uh, past few months, in fact. So uh, good job to you for that. I'm sure it's uh, rewarding when uh, when things actually happen as expected. But let's talk about Pierre Gasly first. He's an interesting choice for Alpine, isn't he? Because it's clear that all French driver lineup is part of the appeal to them, but he is also a Grand Prix winner and a driver with a good body of work built up over the past couple of years. Do you think he's the right choice? I think he's the best choice now that they've ruled out Daniel Ricciardo, which does seem to be what's happened. Um, I mean, this is a classic case of the stuff that we were dealing with around around um, late July, early August. It's very easy for this to be dated, so maybe I'll uh, maybe we'll be back on another podcast mocking me for this as well soon. But uh, unless there's like an announcement in the next twenty four hours, it will be interesting to see. I'm pretty sure it'll be Pierre Gasly, but I wouldn't say it's. Certainly the last few days, I don't think it's been absolutely 100% that he's going there because I, my my impression from the people at Alpine or some people at Alpine is that Gasly hasn't been 100% settled on as the pick. Um, I don't think there's anyone else on the grid that they're looking at. I don't really think, I don't think they're considering Mick Schumacher. Um, I, I say I'm pretty sure they've ruled out Daniel Ricciardo. I, don't, I think they feel that going back to him after he turned them down and also having been rejected by McLaren now would be a good look for the for the Renault Works team. But I do wonder if they would seriously consider Jack Doohan. Uh He's obviously, he's, the, he's now the best placed Alpine junior. He's a race winner in Formula 2. He's building a really, really good momentum in that championship. He's not going to win the championship, but he's been, it's been an impressive rookie season that's got increasingly impressive as it's gone on. Um, and I feel like the message that he has sent inside Alpine since the Piastri stuff kicked off over, you know, the Spa and Zandvoort weekends is he's just done his talking on the track and just done a fantastic job. And if they sign Gasly, which again, I'm still pretty sure that's what they'll do. But if they sign Gasly and they announce him and he comes on a two or three year deal, we know that Ocon's there until the end of, is it 2024? I think his deal runs to. Like, what, what are you saying about doing? Like you're just saying the same thing, you're doing the same thing for doing as you were with Piastri, but with all respect to Gasly, you're doing it with a lesser driver because at least Piastri was being parked so that Alpine could continue to run a two-time world champion in Fernando Alonso. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think Doohan's a better choice than Gasly, but certainly not in the short term. But if he's your protege and he's someone that you think you want to keep for the long term. Is he going to hang around if you've just signed Gasly for three years? So I don't think Alpine have a really straightforward situation here. As much as the, as much as the outcome is, is really telegraphed, it's right in front of us. We, we understand that Alpine and Red Bull have, have agreed terms for Gasly's release, providing Red Bull can bring in Colton Hurt to replace him. But I, I just don't think it's that straightforward. I think Alpine are just going to find themselves in another difficult incumbent driver, junior driver pro- problem in the future. 
it'll probably just end up with them thinking, well, we'll have Gasly, but if that deal falls over, we'll take Doohan. And then I'll end up probably with no, none of them as Gasly stays at Alpha to Harry and Doohan signs for Williams or something ridiculous like that. I wouldn't put that past them. But it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting situation because your caveat at the beginning was if they've decided to set aside Daniel Ricciardo, which is a very valid thing to say. I mean, personally, if I was running that team, I'd still be looking at Ricardo. I suspect their reasons for not wanting to go back to him are more based on not being seen to be taking a step back or to a driver who rejected them a few years ago. But for all his troubles, there's still a potential big upside. He's the biggest upside driver available to them at the moment. Gasly's a really interesting driver. He's done some Great work for AlphaTauri, Toro Rosso, under its two different names, since he was dropped from Red Bull. Now, my one reservation about him is I do think he's a driver who, like many drivers, does benefit from a team that really knows what he wants and a given set of car characteristics. We saw that at Zandvoort, and in fact, Zandvoort exemplified why I'm slightly wary of a Gasly Ocon driver lineup because. At Alpine, you had Ocon, didn't have a great weekend. He was well off Alonso's pace. He did get a decent points finish in the end. But he was struggling with that rear-end instability. Meanwhile, at AlphaTauri, Gasly, on outright pace, was a bit slower than Sonoda because he couldn't cope with the understeer that was in the car as well as Sonoda could. So it's an interesting little thing there that you've got two drivers who are a bit limited by different characteristics. And we know they don't necessarily get, well, we know for a fact they don't get on so well after some incidents in their, in their younger life. So it's interesting. It's not what I'd call a banker lineup. They're both good drivers, and in, particularly in their right window. They'll do a good job, but it just feels a little bit like a a slightly, not under par, but a bit of a par driver lineup, perhaps for a team of Alpine's ambition. I know the cupboard was fairly bare in terms of choices, but how do you think that pairing would work? Well, I think it is, with all respect to them, I think it's a second tier pairing. None of those drivers are on a, you know, Verstappen, Hamilton, Leclerc, Alonso, that kind of tier of driver Norris. You know, Norris leading McLaren next year alongside Piastri is absolutely fine. There's, there's zero question marks there about whether Norris is going to get the most out of the car most weekends because that is what he's been doing for the last 18 months while McLaren's been expecting Ricardo to, to, to effectively be the lead driver. Whereas Ocon and Gasly, I think yeah, they're just... I think they're both... I think they're both good, potentially very good. I'm repeating myself because I think I've said this on a podcast before about Ocon, but not great Grand Prix drivers. And it might might well be that on balance, they actually have a really strong one relative to, you know, Alonso and Stroll, for example, at, at Aston Martin. Is Gasly Ocon better than that? Actually, on the average of the two, it, it probably is. But but you don't have a single lead. You don't, I, I feel like Gasly and Ocon, you're going to have a driver lineup that regularly finishes. If the car's as good as it is this year, that lineup is going to regularly finish between 6th and 10th for you. And it's going to regularly qualify between 5th, 6th and 10th. It's not going to have your day of days like Ricardo grabbing podiums in 2020. It's not going to have a front row start like like Alonso did um, in, in Canada earlier this year. And I know that there will be people saying that Ocon won in Hungary last year and that Gasly won in, in Italy in 2020. And that's absolutely the case. And if everything does align, those drivers can absolutely do the job. I, I'm not questioning their their ultimate peaks. I, I just think, I just think in a what I mean is that in a normal in a in a season of normal weekends, your Alonso's, Norris's, Leclerc's, Russell's, Verstappen's, Hamilton's, 
uh, will overachieve versus where they where they where they can be in qualifying and the race whereas i feel like ocon and gasly are the type of drivers that need a few things to come towards them and then they can do the job but they're they're not going to be the ones that have that dynamic front foot really proactive contribution to alpine overachieving and by, by that extension i don't think they're necessarily compatible with the ambitions that that team has it doesn't feel like a lineup that's going to go and aim for for wins and, and, and titles but I would be delighted to be proven wrong because I do think they are as I said good drivers and they're also interesting characters they've got fascinating backstories they've worked really hard to get here I'd absolutely like to be wrong but that's just that's just how I, I view that that lineup at the moment yeah you've got to call it as you see it haven't you and I'd like to see them do well as well and know how good they can be particularly interested to see how Gasly does outside of a Red Bull environment for example, and good luck to both of them. But yeah, it almost feels like you want a lineup of Ocon and A another, or Gasly and A another, and perhaps the two of them isn't isn't the ideal one. But yeah, let's hope things can can work well for them. And certainly, it could take a little bit of time, given all the other things that need to come together. But the money is on Gasly ending up there. But there's still stuff that needs to happen in order for that to be the case. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We'll get back to the pod in a moment, but first, a word about our partner, Grammarly. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. And Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. I know from experience that Grammarly can help you save time on any writing task and ensure you feel confident about what you've produced. In fact, 96% of Grammarly's users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing, and their tone suggestions can help you navigate even the most difficult work conversations. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com forward slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Well, let's move on to Colton Herter. Scott, Red Bull have made it clear that he's their choice. Alfatari, you wrote a piece for the race delving into how big a risk this was, and indeed if it was the biggest rookie risk for some years in F1. So what did you conclude? Uh, I I think it's the most interesting rookie choice since Max Verstappen, actually. Um the only since since if you if you if you discount the Verstappen season, so that was 2015, 
from 2016 onwards, the only driver who is remotely as curious as a pick is Brendan Hartley. Uh, shock of all shocks. It's a Red Bull recruitment as well. Um, but Hartley was someone who had still come through you know, a lot of conventional European categories as a junior. He'd just been out of single-seater racing probably for a decade, maybe a bit less. Maybe that's that, that is probably a, a bit less than that. Um, and it was the same for like the manor drivers, so Esteban Ocon and um, Pascal Verlein, for example. They, they had been placed in the DTM by Mercedes, but they, they before that, they'd come out of European Formula 3 and, and, and they'd been doing junior categories in Europe, whereas... Uh, Herter is someone he yeah he started in British Formula Four uh, and he did a year in Euro Formula Open as well which was the old Formula Three cars in a in outside of the the main European Championship um, but since then he's been racing in America he's, he's done I think four or five seasons in the states now so it, it's just an unconventional choice he he he's a pick from left field and that's exactly what Verstappen was the circumstances are totally different I'm not trying to compare them as like for like at all but in terms of Red Bull going okay who 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 do we want in the car okay these conventional choices don't really appeal is there someone else we can go for yes there is are there some massive red flags attached to him yeah potentially in Verstappen's case it was age and inexperience in Herter's case it's inexperience from an F1 and the conventional ladder point of view and a question mark over exactly how good he might be but they've decided that the upsides are worth it both both situations have decided that the individual's talents and some other stuff around them can compensate for the fact that they don't come from the the, the conventional route and I just look through every rookie from 2016 and just I can't see anyone since Verstappen who's just is as interesting for those reasons I think it's like the last 14 F1 rookies have either come directly from or raced in Formula 2 or GP2 so it's just been a really and and there are some spectacular drivers in that time don't get me wrong I'm not saying that Hurt is the best rookie since Verstappen I'm certainly not saying that we should expect her to have the impact on Formula One that Verstappen's had but just in terms of that that you know how avant-garde it is as a choice I think I think Herter's quite a fun pick and he's just a, the most intriguing I think since Verstappen it's going to be interesting whatever happens and there's a, an upside there and certainly yeah Verstappen's the logical comparison Hartley you're right was a bit left field but he was not being bought in as the next big thing let's put it that way he was brought in as a driver with experience who could do a job for that team. Let's put it that way. So Herta really is there for this excitement that he brings in terms of what he might be able to achieve if he can adapt properly to Formula One and find consistent level of performances. And also that American market has to be significant in this. We know that F1 itself will be absolutely delighted to have Herta on the Formula One grid. And it's probably going to be quite good commercially for for Red Bull to have him there. So you can see why they want to make the choice. It's a bit of a low downside choice because they don't have an obvious junior crying out to be put into AlphaTauri for next year. So all credit really to Red Bull for wanting to have this big swing at it because nobody else was quite willing to take that risk. I know it's their second team. AlphaTauri, it's a serious team. They want to get good results, but it's not the be-all and end-all, is it? they can afford to have a little bit of a uh, a hit and hope, shall we say, with with someone like this. And all credit to them for not being boring about it. Yeah, it's um, although it doesn't say a huge amount about it, or rather it doesn't say that Red Bull holds 
Pierre Gasly and Alpha Tauri in particularly high regard because it indicates that first first of all the fact that they're willing to let Gasly go indicates that they don't really care that Alpha Tauri loses its lead driver even though they're only even though he might only be there for another year uh, so they clearly don't care about having uh, a Yuki Tsunoda type as the experienced driver uh, and Herta as a real unknown quantity could be mega could be a total flop you you, you don't know but I've got a good feeling about him and and, and clearly so does Red Bull um it doesn't say a huge amount about how much they care about AlphaTauri and Gasly for another reason in that if the argument is as simple as Gasly's going to walk at the end of 2023 anyway, so we might as well have a football club style mentality here and try and cash in on him while he's still our driver. Well, why are you not trying harder to keep Gasly beyond 2023? Like, what, You're not selling the AlphaTauri project particularly well if he's definitely 100% going to walk. Um, and you're not showing a great deal of ambition to, to keep... You know, Gasly's a fantastic driver for AlphaTauri to have long term, and 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 the and the other thing it doesn't speak particularly highly of is the Red Bull Junior pool. Like the, this program that has, I think, five drivers in Formula Two this season, and none of them are considered worthwhile. If you have to let Gasly go, like some, some, I I think I think Herter is a fantastically maverick choice, and I think he has absolutely got merit from a sporting point of view as well as the commercial benefits of having that American driver. You know. Herter's a bit of a dude. He's 22. He's from California. I mean, I think he's fit. I think he's a great Red Bull stereotype for them to have for the American market and for you know Red Bull Racing has Oracle as the title sponsor. So I know he'd be an AlphaTauri driver, but Red Bull would use him. So there are all these reasons to pick Herter, and I think it's absolutely great. But there, I mean, it speaks to so many reasons not to pick Gasly or to pick one of the juniors. So. It shows a, a a lack of faith or ambition or trust that at some point somewhere within that Red Bull driver pool, and I don't think we should overlook that. Yeah, certainly there isn't the option there for them to put in. As far as the team's concerned, for all the rhetoric that was going around a few years ago about it being a what they're calling it a sister team rather than a junior team, it is still the poor relation, isn't it? If AlphaTauri was equal status to Red Bull Racing, then they would invest as much in it as they do Red Bull Racing, and they don't, and that's fine, because it wouldn't make sense for them to do that with two teams, but they can't pretend it, it what its status is, can they? What I'd love is, uh, because it is still effectively, you know, a, a place for, a proving ground for the drivers that want to be at Red Bull Racing, is I love that it hints at a Red Bull Racing future for Herta. You know, if he comes in and he's good, if he comes in and, he's, and he does a really good job, then he's nailed on to replace Perez, isn't he? Uh, if not, I mean, I, we know that Perez did the new deal um, with 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 Red Bull, but I think it would be. I don't. I don't think it's guaranteed that he's there in twenty four, let alone beyond beyond twenty four. Herta's got to have an absolutely mega season next year to to get an instant promotion. I I, I like Sonoda, but I I I don't see enough there at the moment as an all round package to really convince Red Bull that he can go up against Verstappen. But if Herta does a great job. He's in the Red Bull family. There's no way Red Bull Racing aren't considering him for in in the future. If you if you still got that Oracle deal, which is worth an absolute fortune, it's one of the biggest deals I think the F1 teams have ever done. Um, and you've still got this booming popularity in the United States in general for Formula One, and you've got a really decent, really good American driver in your junior team, getting used to F1, building up their experience, really getting up to speed well, and impressing. 
then he's I, I just think I think he's an absolute slam dunk rebel racing driver in the future. It's a big thing for him to achieve if he's gonna get there, but I, I think the path is being set out for him. Yeah, there's a great opportunity to be taken there. Certainly I'd agree with Sonoda. If you take Sonoda at his absolute best, then he is of that sort of level. But that best is erratic, shall we say, and he's gonna need more time. You could argue that actually two years preparation for Herta would be about right for him to be ready to step into that Red Bull main team if he can deliver. And that's a big if, but that's the opportunity that's being given to him. People will say that an American driver needs to be an American driver at the front, but that's the tantalising thing about Herta at AlphaTauri, isn't it? Because it's an American driver in the midfield, but with a direct pathway to the front. That's what makes it so exciting. But we've got to talk about the controversy Colton Herter needs a super licence and the chain of events involving Gasly going to Alpine, as you've mentioned, is dependent on that too. According to the super licence point system, he doesn't qualify for one. So where do you fall in this debate? Is it a case of rules is rules or should an exception be made for him? Uh, I don't think an exception should be made. I think um, I think if the mechanism exists within the rules to award him more points, then that's absolutely fine. But I don't I don't think we should be... I don't think we should be adding points retrospectively or anything like that, and unless there is a really valid reason why those points should be there. What I mean is we shouldn't be going back and changing the number of points awarded for a given season. Um, the the big question mark is over his Indy Lights points and whether or not they should be um, they should be eligible. Uh, if 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 the rules reg, the way the regs are worded can be legitimately um, interpreted so that those lights points can be awarded to him through force majeure or reasons outside of his control, then I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, I can't agree that they can because the rule is emphatic that you've got to have a certain number of cars on the grid. That's why the points aren't eligible. And you can say that if there's force majeure or circumstances outside of the driver's control, the wording something like that, then you can do something differently. But the circumstances outside of your control cannot be something that's specifically addressed by another regulation. Just reading the rules as they are. But the, but we know that the rules, whether it's in the ISC or in the sporting regulations or even event notes, as we've discovered this year, there there are often comp- um, there are often clashes and contradictions within those regulations. So is this the first time that actually makes the FIA reflect on the on a, on Appendix L and the super license criteria and go ah, actually, uh, you know the number of opposite the number of opposing entries that are on a grid is emphatically outside of a driver's control so so what my, my point is is that you you have something there that does explicitly conform to your your um special dispensation requirement outside of your control but then you have another regulation that that is based around having a certain number of entries so they've created this pointless uh contradiction within their own regs so, so they need to decide they need to decide how that should be interpreted Yeah, I take your point. There's a way to do it that ostensibly looks right, but it doesn't really mean that it is. But actually, I'm not arguing that he shouldn't get a super license. Of course he should. He's plenty good enough. He's won seven IndyCar races. The super license system exists to make sure there's a certain level of standard of driver in terms of competence and attainment so you don't get second-rate drivers buying their way onto the grid. It means there's a certain level required. And it's not some kind of rule-bending sporting cheat or something to to let a driver in i personally would almost much rather the fia just said actually this has shown a weakness in the point system we're going to slightly modify it using herter as a case study i've suggested they could have a system where if there's a marginal points case let's say i don't know you've got 
more than 30 points, you can appeal on certain bases and a committee looks at their, their eligibility. But you make sure it's only people who've achieved a certain number of wins in one of the absolute elite categories. Just make it a narrow band that can let a driver like Herter in. That's absolutely fine. What well, I'm not in favour of a retrospective changing of the number of points that IndyCar's worth because my issue with that is that you open the door then for other people in the future to campaign that any category can can be subject to this. And although absolutely agree we're into case by case basis here there's no guarantee that they would do this but you just run the risk of someone who is super rich and competed in a crap category going you know lobbying people and doing and you know trying to get favors on their behalf and that kind of thing I don't want to see in a few years time um, because we've changed the rules to to give IndyCar 40 points for the top three finishers for example um, you know the you know Roy Nassani being able to argue that actually that season that he did I don't know insert random junior category here should actually retrospectively be worth thirty points for the champion and then lobbying a bunch of people to change that rule on on his behalf that that's my concern is that you open you open the the, the floodgates they have to handle this carefully but I I, I do completely agree that. Herter should be eligible for a super license and I think the super license regulations need to be changed going forward to stop a driver of his ability encountering such a ridiculous hurdle as this because are we really saying that a driver who has twice finished in the top five in the IndyCar championship and as high as third in the championship isn't good enough for Formula One because that is that is not what the super license system exists to police. No I absolutely agree with that and it's very important that precedent isn't set to let any old driver in. That's why I do think you're right. You shouldn't really just go back and retroactively change the, the points for things because then suddenly, yeah, you, you get you open the door to people saying, well, this was done in the past for this and it just doesn't work and you get the old problem where just about any driver was let in, which isn't good. I do think they should up the points for IndyCar for the future. That's certainly a very good idea. Um, but I think this is one of those things where I don't think you'll find anybody who is sort of serious about what the super license points are trying to achieve who would argue that Herter isn't eligible to be an F1 driver and could be a very good one. That, I think, is the important thing. So it just needs to be tackled in the right way. So we'll see We'll see what happens. It's very, very difficult to see F1 not wanting to make that happen. But, of course, it actually is the FIA that does the licenses. And F1 and the FIA are separate and not always on the same page. So... Uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. But I think it's important to create... I think there needs to be a small amount of wriggle room for exceptional cases. And I would argue that Herta's championship positions over the past few years are slightly unusual for a driver of that competitiveness. And that's kind of the reason why he's probably someone who should be reviewed in some way, shape or form. It would be a massive shame if uh, if the rules were so flawed that there was no way, legitimate way of getting Herter onto the grid when uh, when there are lots of other factors around this deal that are quite complicated but are all going to come off, I suspect, because, you know, Andretti need to release Herter from his IndyCar contract, but they will. They, you know, there's been talk about him having an F1 release clause in that deal, um, but he will be released from that to go and race in F1. Um, Alpine and Red Bull seem to have agreed to the terms to, to, to pay Red Bull to release Gasly, to, to create that vacancy at Alpha Tauri. McLaren is apparently open and willing to to release uh, release Herter from an F1 contract that they've got with him for next year because they did a deal to, to a testing deal. But that that is something that McLaren needs to let him go from to be able to go and race for another team in Formula One. Um, all of these things are coming together 
Uh, and it would just be a massive, massive shame if this hurdle that was never meant to keep a driver like Herter out of Formula One actually does that. And there's a, I don't know, is it, I, I'd ha- maybe I have to ask Alanis Morissette this, but is it ironic that uh, Red Bull is now really struggling to get Herter through the door because of a system that was introduced because of how they brought Verstappen into Formula One? <laughs> yeah, there is a certain sense of irony in that. There's a double sense of irony because also the whole Verstappen thing was made doubly impossible, not just on the points basis, but on the age basis as well. And it's slightly weird because, yeah, Verstappen was an exceptional case. He's not the sort of driver that's going to turn up very often. But there was absolutely no problem with her uh, with Verstappen racing in Formula One in 2015. He performed very, very well. So it's funny that, um, that, that that's triggered a problem when actually... I don't think he's the problem in the super license system. He never was. So it's, it's, it's funny how these things end up joining up. But I think most people would like to see Herter in, in Formula One. I mean, part of me would like to see him carry on an IndyCar and fulfil his destiny almost there because we've seen glimpses of it. He's won those seven races, but we haven't seen him have the proper, proper championship winning season and there's 500s for him to win in in the future but if he can have a proper crack at formula one and alpha Tauri will offer that then i think that's that's good news for formula one as a whole and if he can fix the super license system along the way that's all the better and of course in terms of when this is going to be resolved it could be quite soon as helmet marco has said it could all be resolved over the Italian Grand Prix weekend, so there's going to be lots of toing and froing in the paddock, I'm sure, and some lobbying to make sure the super license point situation is resolved. So we'll have loads of coverage of that over the weekend on the race.com. Don't forget the hyphen if you're heading there. And also make sure you have a listen to our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, and also check out our YouTube channel. Masses of video content there for you to feast your eyes upon. We're now turning our attention properly to the Italian Grand Prix weekend. Stay with us for everything you need to know from Monza. The Athletic.